All right, Luke chapter 17 tonight. Luke chapter 17 tonight, beginning at verse 20. While you're finding your place there in the Bible, a couple of reminders. Uh, Don't forget that Sunday is the day to bring the gifts in for the Phoenix Rescue Mission, both for children and adults, and then they're going to deliver those gifts that afternoon. So please don't forget to bring in your gifts on Sunday, this Sunday, December the 6th. Also, we will have uh, more of the Psalms and Proverbs and the daily devotionals available on Sunday as well. And I'll try to remember to bring some more next Wednesday, too, for anyone that would be interested in those. So for the next two weeks, as we finish out our year, we've got this week and next week, and then we're done for the year until January. I wanted to focus on this passage of prophecy. Uh, And this passage is really, I think, even going to set up for us in the new year my new series beginning in January on Sunday mornings in 1st and 2nd Thessalonians dealing with the coming of the Lord Jesus. And tonight we're looking at a passage of Scripture where Jesus addresses both the Pharisees in response to their question as well as giving teaching and an instruction to his own disciples. And what I'd like to do tonight, because I only am intending on getting through half of this tonight and then getting to the other half next week, is to have you follow along as I read, beginning in Luke chapter 17 and verse 20. Now, at one point, the Pharisees asked Jesus when the kingdom of God was coming. So he answered, the kingdom of God is not coming with signs to be observed. Nor will they say, look, here it is, or there. For indeed, the kingdom of God is in your midst. Then he said to the disciples, the days are coming when you will desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man, and you will not see it. Then people will say to you, look, there he is, or look, here he is. Do not go out or chase after them. For just like the lightning flashes and lights up the sky from one side to the other, so will the Son of Man be in His day. But first He must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. Just as it was in the days of Noah, so too it will be in the days of the Son of Man. People were eating, they were drinking, they were marrying, they were being given in marriage, right up to the day Noah entered the ark. Then the flood came, And destroyed them all. Likewise, just as it was in the days of Lot, people were eating, drinking, buying, selling, planting, building. But on the day Lot went out from Sodom, fire and sulfur rained down from heaven and destroyed them all. It will be the same on the day the Son of Man is revealed. On that day, anyone who is on the roof with his goods in the house must not come down to take them away. Likewise, the person in the field must not turn back. Remember Lot's wife. Whoever tries to keep his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life will preserve it. I tell you, in that night, there will be two people in one bed. One will be taken and the other left. There will be two women grinding grain together. One will be taken and the other left. Then the disciples said to him, Where, Lord? And he replied to them, Where the dead body is, there the vultures will gather. This is a very important passage dealing with prophetic events that are yet to come. But 
they also have great teaching and instruction for us about the present reality of the kingdom of God. Because as I shared Sunday, what we're going to look at these next couple of weeks are why are people missing the kingdom of God? Why are people unprepared for the kingdom? And the first thing we see in verses 20 and 21 when Jesus is talking to the Pharisees and responding to their question is because they have misunderstood and misinterpreted Scripture concerning the kingdom. And God's plan. And this reinforces to us why it is so vitally important that when we study, or I should say this, that we study the scripture, not just read it, but that we study it, that we allow ourselves to be taught the scripture by qualified teachers, and that we are diligent in, in making sure that we are accurately interpreting the Word of God. Because inaccuracy in understanding and interpreting the Word of God can really mess people's lives up. In fact, so much so that even with the Pharisees, they, because of their misunderstanding and misinterpretation of the Old Testament Scriptures, they were missing the kingdom of God. And think about that. They were the religious leaders of Israel. They knew the Old Testament better than anyone. But they misunderstood it. And they misinterpreted it. And that's why it's so important that we not just have an understanding of the Word of God, but that we have an accurate understanding of the Word of God. The Pharisees were one of three sects in Judaism at this time in history. There was also the Sadducees and the Essenes. The Pharisees were the strongest group of the three. They were the dominant group of the three. And literally the word Pharisees means the separated ones. They were separated certainly from any uh, influence. They, They thought that that would make them spiritual and holy. It was an overreaction to Greek culture that had infiltrated Uh, you know, Israel at one point in their history, and they were rejecting that, and so they pulled away, and they became separate. The problem was that down through time, the Pharisees also were known to obviously be greedy and and hypocrites. That's two of the main things that Jesus had uh, problems with the Pharisees about. Uh, the, the one thing that I will give the Pharisees is when it came to uh, understanding prophecy, at least, and last things, they had a little bit more, at least, insight uh, correctly than the Sadducees. The Sadducees did not believe in life after death. They did not believe in resurrection. Uh, they did not believe in a future kingdom. But the Pharisees did, and it's one of the reasons why they asked him this question concerning the kingdom of God. They were dogging Jesus throughout his earthly ministry. In fact, the word asked here in verse 20 means to interrogate. It's more of a negative thing. They weren't really seeking information. They weren't really at a teachable point in their life. They had already made their minds up. They were trying to catch Jesus in some kind of theological error. They were trying to trip him up. They were trying to 
you know, in a sense, diffuse uh, and demean him in a public way because they were jealous of the influence that Jesus was having over the, the Jews of that day. And obviously, as the spiritual leaders, they wanted people to follow them uh, and, and not Jesus. And so the Bible says at one point, the Pharisees asked Jesus, when the kingdom was coming, when will the kingdom of God arrive? Now, a couple things here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start with the general and then move a little bit more specific. We need to understand a couple things about the kingdom of God from the teaching of Scripture, and it's even way more than what we can do here from this passage tonight. But one thing that the Bible is very clear about is that when it teaches us about the kingdom of God, it teaches us that there is a already and not yet character to the kingdom of God. In other words, the kingdom of God is already existing in some form, but the consummation of the kingdom of God, sort of what the Pharisees were thinking about, and that is when, when God would rule over the entire earth, and obviously from the Pharisees' perspective, when we rule with him, when we put all of these oppressors in our life down, and we're sitting on top of the heap, what, when we are ruling the earth, when is that going to happen? And Jesus is, first of all, pointing out to them that, well, one of the reasons why you're missing the kingdom is because the kingdom of God is standing in front of you. The kingdom of God already exists. How does it already exist today? Before Jesus comes and literally sets up his kingdom and universally rules over the earth and, and even vindicates those who believe in him? It exists today in your heart and my heart. That's where the kingdom of God exists today. You see, the kingdom of God speaks about that realm where God rules. And when God saves us, he also wants to rule in our lives. That's the whole concept of him being our Lord, our master, if you will. It's giving him authority over our lives. It's allowing him to be king. Because one of the other aspects of this word for kingdom here in the Greek language, is that it always requires a king. You, you can't have a kingdom without a king. And obviously, the kingdom of God's king is Jesus. And so one of the things that we learn then about the kingdom is that it means letting Jesus be the king of our life, not just the savior of our life. That's how his kingdom exist today, you see. That's the already part of God's kingdom. God's already ruling. It's just not, again, in a universal, global way where he's making, going to make everything right. That's what they were focused on. They weren't focused on the here and now of allowing, first of all, of recognizing even that Jesus is the Messiah, the King of Israel, and second of all, turning over their authority of their life to him, you see. So that's really important that we understand that a lot of people, when, when you study scripture and it talks about the kingdom of God, you and I always have to keep in mind this aspect, the already not yet character of the kingdom. There are parts of God's kingdom that already exist. 
and yet there are parts yet to be consummated in the future. Most of the time, even today, like the Pharisees, when you and I think about the kingdom of God, we're thinking future. We're not thinking present where God rules in my life and our life and our church's life. I mean, in a sense, I understand that. I mean, for instance, when Jesus is teaching us to pray, you know, even in that, he says, pray for God's kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven. So we're sort of conditioned in some way to look at it that way, but that's not the only way to look at it. That's not the exclusive way to look at it. And that's part of what they were missing. You see, they were not willing, obviously, to acknowledge that Jesus Christ was the Messiah. And so Jesus says this. He says, listen, it's not about the arrival of the kingdom of God in this way. The kingdom of God, Jesus says, is not coming with signs to be observed. It's not coming in such a manner that you can watch for it, in a sense, with your eyes in a visible way. This word observed was a medical term in Jesus' day for closely watching the symptoms and making a diagnosis. And Jesus is saying, I understand where you Pharisees are coming from. You think you've got this all figured out when the kingdom of God is coming because in that day, just as it still is today for most Jews, Orthodox Jews, they believe that there are certain apocalyptic cataclysmic signs that Jesus, or excuse me, that God has revealed in the Old Testament that will sort of, you know, point to the kingdom of God coming. And so Jesus here is really, you know, turning them and twisting them because that's what they were relying on and that's what they were hoping Jesus would even give to them. Give us these cataclysmic, you know, observable signs, apocalyptic signs that will make sure that, you know, we know when the arrival of the kingdom is. And I want to make sure, Jesus, that your answer matches what we believe the Old Testament teaches. Well, when Jesus tells them, well, that's not how you find the arrival of the kingdom of God, I'm sure they were like, oh, see, this, this guy, he doesn't know what he's talking about. And then, notice what he said. He says, God, the kingdom of God is not coming with signs to be observed, nor will they say, look, here it is, or there. For indeed, the kingdom of God is in your midst. Literally, the kingdom of God is in your presence. The kingdom of God is before you. The sign, if you will, they wanted a sign. Jesus is saying, I'm the sign. I'm the sign of the kingdom of God. And until you're ready to acknowledge me and accept me as the king, you will never experience the kingdom of God. Now think about that. That's important. Because there are many people even today who think that they will be in the kingdom of God, and yet they're not willing to acknowledge and accept Jesus as the king. And so Jesus is saying, I'm the one who permits people to be in the kingdom. 
That's why in the book of Revelation, he even says about himself, I have the keys of the kingdom. You see. No one can come to the Father but by me. If you're not willing to acknowledge and accept me as the king, you will have no part in the kingdom. Wow. And again, these are the religious leaders of Israel. So they they were missing the kingdom. One reason was because they weren't willing to accept Jesus as the king of the kingdom. They wanted a kingdom, but not with Jesus as the king. And second, the reason they were also missing the kingdom is because they misunderstood and misinterpreted the Old Testament scriptures. In their minds, they were so tunnel-focused, if you will, on this future kingdom where God is going to globally rule and put down, you know, all of his enemies and where, again, Jews... The Jewish nation will be prominent in. That's all they could focus on. They could not see the here and now. And because they were focused on just the future and not the here and now, they were missing what God had for them here and now. And that's one of the reasons that why you and I need to be careful even when we study prophecy. In fact, Jesus is going to allude to this as he now talks to his disciples. Because you and I can get so caught up, if you will, in hanging on for what we want to happen that we miss out on what God wants us to focus on here and now. If anything the study of what God is going to do and the understanding of what God is going to do in the future should actually make us more energetic, enthusiastic followers of God to to witness bringing people into the kingdom and allowing Jesus to be our king right here and now. You see. So again, let's remember that the Bible is teaching us here, Jesus is teaching us here, that any signs after his arrival on earth are not going to signify the arrival of the kingdom because in a sense when Jesus came to earth, the kingdom arrived in him. He's the king. The signs after that are just simply moving us towards the consummation of his kingdom which is what books like Daniel and Revelation and Joel and others in the Word of God talk about, where Jesus will come back, will set up a literal earthly kingdom, put down all earthly rebellion, and rule and reign with those who believe in Him. And obviously that that means also then the vindication of those who believe in Him. So it's significant that after He answers this question, of the Pharisees. When is the kingdom coming? And Jesus basically said, it's already here in me. Then he says to the disciples, those who are already following him, the days are coming when you will desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man. Let me start with that phrase. It's important that we understand what does it mean when Jesus says the days of the Son of Man. That is referring to the time of Messiah's total rule, 
universal rule over the earth and the vindication of those who believe in him. And it, it's the plural days of the Son of Man because it is going to uh, go along with what Jesus is going to say and we're going to look at next week when he talks about the days of Noah and the days of Lot. That there are similarities there and we'll get to that next week. But he says to his disciples, the days are coming when those who follow me will desire to see that day. Well, you and I are in that category. I mean, the longer we're on earth, we're like, oh Jesus, you can come at any time. In fact, this word's a very strong word. It talks about passionate desire. It talks about longing for that day. It's the same word that's used to describe the angels in Peter, where Peter says the angels passionately desire and long to look into this salvation thing. That fascinates them. Because obviously, they've never been saved like you and I have been saved through the blood of Jesus, you see. And it just fascinates them. So they, they long to desire to look into that. This is also used of the prophets, who when they were writing, were longing and passionately desiring to, to see more of what, of, of what God was revealing to them. But again, it was an unrealized desire. And that's exactly what Jesus is saying to his followers. Notice he says, you will not see it. You will not experience it. It will be an unrealized desire. No matter how bad you want it to come, what the followers of Jesus Christ must realize is that our desire doesn't bring it about. That God has a timetable. And God has an order of things that He's going to you know, have happen. And it will come when God wants it to come, when God has willed it to come, when God has planned it to come, not when you and I desire it to come. And Jesus understands that as time goes on and we get closer to that time, that things on earth continue to get worse and worse and worse. And especially for you and I as Christians, it's like we want to escape. We want to get out of here. We want things to be better. We want Jesus to rule. We don't want man to rule anymore. And Jesus understands that, but he's simply saying, but don't get impatient. And don't lose your focus about what God wants you and I to be doing now, even though it may be hard and difficult in the days in which we live, just because you're just sort of holding on for the days of the Son of Man. For he says, there will come a time where people will say to you, look, there he is. Or look, here he is. And Jesus says, do not go out or chase after them. There is no doubt that these words are warning disciples not to be impatient if the kingdom of God does not come as soon as they wish it to come. And he's saying, don't run after things. 
Don't chase after things. Now, the reason why Jesus says this, keep your finger in Luke 17 and go back with me to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 24, where Matthew expands on this a little bit, is because, again, as we get closer to the consummation of God's kingdom and the return of Christ, there is going to be, according to the Bible, more and more false teaching, false teachers, false prophets, false doctrine, so much that can mislead even the disciples of Jesus Christ if we're not careful, if we're not grounded, if you will. And it's born out of, according to Jesus, our desire to so want to see Jesus comes that we sort of allow others to get us off track and run after things and chase after things that we shouldn't chase after. That's why, again, it's important that we are spiritually stable and settled and grounded. Because if we're not, that's another reason why, in a sense, we miss the kingdom of God. Because we get running and chasing after things that we shouldn't, instead of focusing on what God wants us to. In a sense, it's like Christians who, and again, I understand... It's so bad to live on earth now as a Christian and things are so messed up that we just, we want God to come so bad and set things right that we just sort of adopt the attitude of, I'm just sort of going to curl up and, and, and isolate myself and just hold on till Jesus comes. That's sort of the natural reaction maybe of many believers. But see, God is saying and calling us out even today and saying, I know it's hard. I I know it's bad out there. But you need to step up and be a witness. You need to shine your light more than ever. You, You need to be out there bringing people into the kingdom and letting me rule in your life. Now's not the time to just be holding on. Now's the time to be really focused, if you will, and on fire for God. And so back in Matthew 24... Look at the end of verse 4, where Jesus again says, Watch out that no one misleads you. For many will come in my name, saying, I'm the Christ. And they will mislead many. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars. Make sure that you are not alarmed, for this must happen, but the end is still to come. For nation will rise up in arms against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and earthquakes in various places, and all these things are the beginning of birth pain. And then if you go over to verse 23, notice Jesus says, Then if anyone says to you, look, here he is the Christ, or there he is, do not believe him. For false messiahs and false prophets will appear and even perform great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. Jesus says, remember, I've told you this ahead of time. So again, he says, so if anyone says to you, look, he's in the wilderness, don't go out. Or look, he's in the inner rooms, don't believe them. For just like the lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west, so the coming of the Son of Man will be. Very parallel to what Luke is saying here. So Jesus now back in Luke 17 says this. For just like the lightning flashes and lights up the sky from one side to the other, so will the Son of Man be in His day. Jesus saying, look, if you're looking truly for the 
coming of the Son of Man and the consummation of the kingdom, you don't have to worry about missing it. It will be obvious. That's what he's saying here. He's saying it's going to be as obvious as when the lightning flashes and lights up the sky from one side to the other. It's not like, hmm, is Jesus here or not? Is his kingdom here? You're not going to have to worry about it. It's going to be so dramatic that it's not like those who really follow him and want to follow him and want to be a part of his kingdom somehow are going to miss it. It's not going to happen. It will be absolutely obvious. So that's where I think Jesus is saying to us then, so don't, don't get caught up in actually when the consummation is going to arrive of the kingdom. You focus on what the king now wants you to be involved with and you just keep your focus there. And don't let all these people mislead you. And just because you desire it to come so much, don't get off track and start running and chasing after others and people and people who say, I've, I know when you know it's coming or I'm, I'm here and all of that. And by the way, Notice now in verse 24, Jesus talks again and refers to himself as the Son of Man. Again, according to Daniel chapter 7, verses 13 and 14, that is a messianic title. It's a title given to the one who would come and rule and reign on earth. Read Daniel 7, 13 and 14. It also refers to a decisive time of judgment. That's what Jesus is referring to when he says, so will the Son of Man be in his day. And that's why now Jesus is going to begin talking about the days of Noah and the days of Lot. We'll get to that next week. A decisive time of judgment. Notice those three words, in his day. See, right now, it's not his day. Right now, God is allowing, under his sovereignty, for man to have his day. To let man do what man wants to do. But it's not always going to be that way. According to Jesus himself, there's coming a day where man's day is done where God is not going to let man have his day anymore, and then the Son of Man will have his day. I am looking forward to that day. But notice what he says here to his followers specifically. But first... Before all that, before the consummation of the kingdom and having his day, he, the Messiah, must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. A couple things. First of all, the word suffered means to be afflicted, to undergo evil and wickedness. Think about the fact that the Son of Man, Jesus, the Son of God, allowed Himself to be afflicted and to undergo evil and wickedness. Sometimes, you know, again, we erroneously, you know, why do bad things happen to good people? Well, first of all, there really are no good people. That's an unbiblical thing right there. 
But we forget that, wait a minute, was Jesus not good? Yeah, Jesus was perfect. And yet Jesus had, must suffer many things. So why is it that we think as followers of this Jesus that somehow we're going to live our lives and not have to suffer? Did not Jesus even tell his followers the disciple is not above his master or his teacher? If I have suffered, won't you? If they hated me, won't they hate you too? I mean, these are all, again, things that the Bible clearly teaches. And yet, somehow, we get these really erroneous, unbiblical thinking. Instead of thinking from the Word of God. And the word rejected, I mean... Do we really sometimes think about how Jesus was disapproved or rejected? It's why Paul and and even Peter talks about Jesus being this cornerstone that God laid down, but it was rejected. It was disapproved. They didn't like Jesus, just like the Pharisees. We don't want him to be king over us. Ironically, when Pilate wrote, Even above the cross, the king of the Jews. They didn't like it, but that was the truth. He is the king of the Jews. And if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, he is your king. He is my king. And we could have no better king than King Jesus. And that's where the kingdom of God really resides today. When Jesus said to the Pharisees, the kingdom of God is in your midst. It's right in front of you and you're missing it. That's a powerful statement. It it should help us to realize, Lord, help us not to miss the kingdom right now because we're so focused on this future kingdom coming where, again, you're going to set everything right, that we forget that we should be living, in a sense, under your rule and reign right now in our lives. And we should be accepting you and acknowledging you as our king. And can I say this? I've got a couple minutes. It's really interesting, too, that especially the Pharisees were saying, well, Jesus, what's the sign of the arrival of, of the kingdom? When will it come? And it's like, well, are you really paying attention to the signs? Because if if it's about God not giving you enough signs, Jesus would say, I think they're all out there. You're just not paying attention to them. Did not God, through Jesus, give clear evidence that Jesus Christ was the Messiah, the King? I mean, think about all the things that Jesus has already done in the Gospel of Luke that the Pharisees knew about. He's already physically healed people. He's already turned water into wine. He's already cast out demons. He's already healed people from the, and raised people from the dead. He's done all these things that showed from the Old Testament that that would be the sign of the Messiah, the King of Israel. And yet, no, we want another sign. 
We want something else. Because we don't like that conclusion. So let's keep looking. And that's the way folks are today. They don't like what God says or, or the way this is turning out. So, so I'm going to look somewhere else. I'm going to find somebody that agrees with me rather than saying, well, God, if that's it, then I'll just submit to your authority and, and I'll, I'll let you instruct me. And again, it all goes back to who's our king. Yes, there is a global, worldwide, universal kingdom of God coming one day. And Jesus will rule, and we will rule and reign with him, the Bible says. But even before that kingdom is consummated, Jesus is very clearly teaching us tonight, the kingdom of God has already arrived. It's already here. If you and I have accepted Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, then the kingdom of God resides in our heart. That's the realm where God rules. That's where God wants to rule and reign in our lives right now. And that's really the rub, isn't it? Even as Christians. Will we let God have His way in our life? Or will we still do things our way? Because even though God comes to reign in our life, He still, even as Christians, gives us that free will. He wants us to choose to let Him reign. He wants us to choose to allow Him to be King and to have His way in our life. He won't force it on any of us even as his followers. And this is something that I think just really Jesus wanted to lock down and get across in this passage of Scripture. The Pharisees were missing the kingdom because they were not acknowledging the king and because they had misunderstood and misinterpreted the Old Testament Scriptures concerning the kingdom of God. And then the disciples might miss the kingdom of God because they would be so wanting the kingdom of God in its consummation to come and set things right and be right that they would forget to live in the moment and be and do what God, their king, wanted them to do at that moment. Instead, they got distracted and they started running and chasing after all these other things. That's how you and I can miss and how people can miss the kingdom of God. Next week, we're going to look at those people at the time of the flood of Noah and the time of the destruction of Sodom and realize some other reasons and ways that people can miss the kingdom of God. God wants us to be prepared and ready. And you and I can be ready for the kingdom even tonight by saying, Lord Jesus, rule in my life tonight. Reign in my life tonight. Let your will be done in me. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for our Lord Jesus, the King. And God, I pray tonight that we 
Lord, acknowledge and recognize your kingdom even within us now. That Jesus, you came not just to save and deliver us from sin and to set us on the right path to put our names on the register of heaven. But you came to rule and reign in our lives. You came to be king. God, I pray tonight that we would accept your kingship. That we would acknowledge your kingship. And that we would let you define our life. That we would give ourselves up for your will, not for ours. And Lord, whatever that is, help us to be obedient followers. These things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Guys, thanks so much for being here. We'll see you next week. One more week. Hang in there.